Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali Barbecue Media production. Every single week we talk about digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. Now, what exactly does that mean? That means that if you own a brick and mortar business and you are not focused on your digital footprint, you have to re think how you are doing business. Um, our job is to bring people on that are going to help you do that. One of the things that we've done as a barbecue company is we've become a media company. Um, we've done that by understanding that marketing is telling your story, who you are and what your brand is. Media is once you have the skills of marketing, now you can start telling other people's story. Um, there's never been a greater time to be in business because of the smartphone, because of all these giants, these tech giants like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and the list goes on and on, but we're building on the backs of giants and everything is storytelling. Um, today's guest is Kyle and Sarah um, from Sabre Real Estate Advisors. He is a real estate, commercial real estate media mogul. Um, he is someone that I have met through his digital footprint, through his digital storytelling, because he has built a brand through Instagram. Um, we have hosted clubhouses together. Um, he has an incredible TikTok account. Um, he's posting content on LinkedIn. He is doing all the things that we talk about on this podcast, no matter what business you're in, you need to be doing because it will make you top of mind and it will connect you. It will endear you to the people that you want to do business with. So Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. It's a Heck of an intro. Got a lot to live up to now in this one. Hey, you've already lived up to it. Anybody that's, uh, we're going to put links into the show notes, but uh, please go file, uh, follow Kyle on all of the platforms because he's putting out incredible content. And it doesn't matter if you're in the real estate business, restaurant business, entrepreneurship, small business follow him because he understands the game within the game. And I think that's the thing that excites me the most about this podcast is people that inspire me, people that are compelling. I get a front row seat and I get to give you, the listener, a seat at the table. So we're going to have an awesome conversation today. We're going to talk about real estate. We're going to talk about uh, digital storytelling. We're going to talk about how Kyle um, built his brand. And one of the things that's exciting for me is most people in media aren't also owner operators. So Kyle owns a restaurant. He's also doing commercial real estate and he's also in media. Um, the beautiful thing about media is once you understand how easy it is to be in media, anybody can add the media piece. And Kyle's a perfect example of how to do that. So um, Kyle, take us back to, uh, to when you first got started in the restaurant business. So my first job in the restaurant business was, I think I was in eighth grade or ninth grade. And a bunch of my buddies just, they started having money. Like, you know, up until that point, nobody, you know, you had to get like a couple of bucks from your parents. And I just remember being like, well, where are you guys getting this money? Like, oh, well, we, there's this new restaurant that opened up. And I was like, well, get me, get me a job. And like, okay, we'll get you a job. And I got a job. Uh, my official title, my first ever official title in the restaurant was Glass Boy, which I'm not sure that I would get by. Glass <laughs> It was, it was, uh, I had to be in this awful room and it was double stack dishwashers at this microbrewery and these giant leader mugs would come in and you just had to put them in the racks and then just let the machine run and then take them out. And I did that. Uh, and I loved it. And I, I don't know why, I don't really know why I loved it, but, uh, quickly got promoted up to, um, bus boy, big promotion. And then one day I was in the kitchen and the chef, the chef was like, big bald dude, gauge earrings. Like he drove a duster with a chain link steering wheel. And he was like, you're going to cook brunch this weekend. I'm like, 
what? what? Yeah, so it kind of started there, and I was making omelets, and the rest is history, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, that it's, I guess it's different for me because I was forced into the restaurant by my um, immigrant of a, of a grandfather who believed that everybody should be working in the family, no matter what age you are. And I was 13 when I started busting tables and washing dishes. Um, but I, you know, I was, I was so fortunate that he, he was my, my father figure. I never met my father. He, he raised me. He was born in Bulgaria, lived this incredible life, but working on the weekends for somebody when you're young, like yes you do get cash but depending your friends were working so you were out working with your friends my friends were not working they were actually out playing sports and hanging out at the beach so for me it was a little bit different where i was resenting the fact that i was working granted i'm grateful that my grandfather put me in that position but for you going back to those first experiences it's something that all of us that are in the hospitality business and all of us that want to take care of people and want to build a brand. I argue, we argue on the show all the time. Everybody needs to be in the hospitality business. There's something that we do in the business. It's the magic. It's the secret. It's the compelling thing that why anybody that's listening to this podcast, why do you pick the restaurants that you go to? You know, I would argue that why do you pick the brands that you pick? Why do we pick an Apple phone? Why do we pick a Peloton bike? Why do we pick these things? We pick them because of the way that they make us feel. Yeah, absolutely. When did you learn about branding? You know, I was, I really learned about branding with my first restaurant. Uh, I hadn't, you know, I wasn't connecting with anything, definitely not on the personal level. And and I don't think it was as much of a conversation, uh, at least to me, um, up until that point. And somebody who was helping us with the restaurant with some PR stuff was like, you need to read this book. And um, the first one was uh, the first book that somebody gave me was the Danny Meyer setting the table book. Uh, and then the next one they gave me was uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's jab, 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 right hook. Nice. I was like, I think maybe 2010 um, or 2011, somewhere around there. And, you know, the hospitality piece always connected with me on that. I, I, I don't know I, my mother, I think part of my mother's side, always very like giving and wanted to like give more and provide. Um, like I, I love giving somebody something and seeing their reaction. You know what I mean? Like that was always, I don't know, even as a kid, I remember that. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, those two books that really put it together for me that, you know, to come from a place of giving um, on the hospitality side and even on the, on the branding um, as part of the hospitality of our restaurant, our brand was very giving. It was our first restaurant was an Italian pizza concept uh, called Pulpitina. And it was um, very, you know, you didn't like it. Oh, we'll give you another one. Don't worry about it. Oh, you didn't have this? Try that. And it became this infectious vibe of the place that people loved. So um, that was really when I saw the power of a brand was when we started to encapsulate what that brand meant, like this homestyle family sharing, giving, um, and we brought people on board that were the same way. And I saw what it did to the community and tour with our guests. And, and it really helped launch the brand for sure. It's incredible. Do you, do you remember your first, oh shit, internet moment? Um, it's things we talk about on the podcast all the time. And I mean, it's crazy because I, I still have them to this day. I mean, I, I tell the story of like of Apple Pay, which I added to my phone, I mean, probably three years ago. But I mean, somebody that hosts a digital hospitality podcast, you'd think like, you know, we're always technology forward, but this fucking guy, myself, 
talking about me. I didn't even have Apple Pay on my own phone until I took the time and put my credit card into my Apple phone. How and long ago was that? All of a sudden, what's that? How long ago was that? Like three years ago. Okay. Like not not very long ago. Okay. You know, like definitely not when it came out. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I waited a good three years before I'm like, okay, Apple Pay. Like, is this a thing? I'm the Apple Pay. Well, one of the things that it, it was my hesitation with, I didn't want to be the asshole in line, fumbling with my phone, not knowing how to pay. I didn't realize that if I figure it out, I will be paying faster than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the same way. And I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll tell you my uh, old, like aha moment with, with the internet first, but my Apple Pay story was similar, but I only downloaded Apple Pay like six months ago. Okay. That exact reason. There, that's that's the honest. There, there's the honest. But I, I, I think it's important for our listeners to understand. You know, they, you know, people that listen to the show, they they've seen the Cali Barbecue Media, the content that we put out, and you know, when they go to your social profiles, they'll see the content that you put out. But it's like every single person. It doesn't matter if you have millions of subscribers on YouTube, if you have hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers, like whatever it is, we're all learning this thing out. We're all trying to figure this fucking thing out. And I think that's part of the fun, right? Like, I, I don't, well, we have this uh, clubhouse uh, thing on uh, Wednesday mornings uh, with Sabre. And it's, um, you know, the commercial real estate folks are very stuck in this, like, your mindset of wanting to, they hold on to, like, the information. Like, I got a lot of trouble for this where I used to work of explaining what a co-tenancy clause is. Why it's important to understand, you know, what your permitted use is, you know, what, what, you know, how, you know, force majeure could impact your, your construction timeline and your leasing and all that stuff. And they basically told me to shut up. It's because everyone's coming from like this fear mindset that you're giving away too much and they don't want to tell anything and then that's yep. how things are done. But yeah, that, that, that ability to kind of like connect with folks digitally and give out information has been uh, a huge thing for, for me, for sure. And I know for you, the same. was, was there a shift when you went from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset, or have you always had an abundance mindset? No, man, I was, I was beaten into a scarcity mindset. So I worked for a big commercial real estate company, a big global green logo. Um, and they told me like, basically in no uncertain terms, like, who do you think you are? Like, you don't talk about your experience. You only talk about us. And I just was like, okay, uh, doesn't make any sense to me, but, you know, they're successful. The team I worked on was very successful. So I kind of, but then the pandemic hit and um, it was basically like, well, this isn't going to work in this new environment. This is this whole thing of leading with the big green shield. Um, so he, it wasn't until I left CBRE to go to, I just gave the name away. It's okay. They're not going to come after you. No, my, my, my one year thing is over. And anyway, so, so when I left CB to go to Sabre, I had like, I was like, like, I just gotten out of like Shawshank. Like I got out of jail. <laughs> like, hey, you know, I love Youth it. will set you free, Kyle. Exactly. It was raining. I was outside. Yeah. But the, 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 the guy was like, Jay, uh, who's actually the CEO and then uh, now a good friend of mine. I was like, hey, Jeff, you know, I just want to make sure, you know, we're all good. I just, you know, is there anything that I shouldn't be talking about? You know, I have this tremendous restaurant background and I feel like a lot of these guys just, you know, they know how to run a restaurant, but when it comes to finding sites and doing all that stuff, they're led by bad brokers. And I feel like I can kind of like bridge that gap. Can I, can I talk about this? And he was like, listen, I can't even think of something that you would possibly post that would be, an issue for me. So I was like, 
sweet. So then that yeah. just opened up everything. And I just then focused on giving it all away to the point where I have these crazy notebooks of, you know, little ideas that I get because there's so many little things that, that come to mind and you want to share with, with folks who, who are really good at running restaurants, but really make bad real estate decisions or, or bad, you know, partnership decisions or operational decisions, anything like that. Yeah, I think it's it's so powerful, you know, for me and my own digital hospitality journey, my own digital content create, like just understanding that, you know, it's an audience of one. Literally, all you need to do is make an impact on one. Everyone wants to have, you know, all of these likes and this viral video and this incredible content. And it's not that incredible, con- that, like that's not what we're striving for, but ultimately, you know, help one person. Yeah. You know, and I think that's so powerful with the content that you create, you know, you're in a niche part of commercial real estate, which is restaurants. But when you start to think about, well, you're in New York, there's a lot of fucking restaurants in New York. There's a lot of people that are looking for real estate. There's a lot of people that are going to be looking at ghost kitchens at looking at virtual concepts at repurposing their existing concept. Like now you understand that by publishing content onto your smartphone and onto all these apps, people can find you. And when they find you, guess what? You have already built credibility with them. You've built credibility because you've put yourself out there. There's no fucking sales brochure. There's no LinkedIn spamming me. There's no like email spamming me. Hey, do you want to come for lunch? Or do you want to come to the fucking golf tournament? Like, no, I don't. I'm trying to build my brand. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's the warm introduction, right? Like, I mean, anybody who has worked and it's, I say all the time and then with all due respect to my fellow brokers out there, but like it, you make my job easier when you don't do it. Yes. You act in the more traditional sense and I can, you know, shoot you a link to my, my, uh, you know, a YouTube video or a site tour or a market update. Um, you know, it's, I'm at a distinct advantage, you know, it's on demand. You, you're literally what you, you are an attention merchant. I get to consume you how I want to consume it. Yeah. Do I want to consume it on YouTube as video? Do I want to consume it through your podcast? Do I want to consume it through Instagram? Like you are on all the different digital playgrounds. You're playing the game within the game. If I want it, there it is. There's the feed. This is who I am. And if you want to connect with me, here, here, here's an easy link to book a 15 minute call with me on your terms, not on my terms. Yeah. And you know, that's the thing. I, I think that what people don't understand about that is that you're, you're really in the goal is to have this, this set of information that appeals to, in my mind, appeals to, you know, my, my niche, my restaurant owners or directors of real estate, whatever the case may be. I think a lot of folks, again, at least in the, in the commercial space are afraid that they're going to upset somebody outside of their niche or they're going to not, they're going to exclude something. And I think, or or they're going to, you know, piss off this landlord or they're going to piss off this developer or they're going to piss off an old client. But the funny thing that happens is once you start getting real narrow, I think, is you start to attract people that you actually want to deal with. Yes. You know, like this. Absolutely. You're still right. And it's, it's a weird dynamic and it feels awkward, but the more you hone in on what you feel is right, like in your gut, I think that that's when the magic happens for people. It, it can be scary. I totally get it, but, but it's on the other side. It's, it's a different world. Do you remember your first, one of your first pieces of content where you actually went down that, down that, down that role where you started going, Hey, this, 
this doesn't feel right, but I know it's right. And I'm going to fucking do it. And I'm going to post it. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh shit. It was, it was really innocuous. I didn't give it any thought to be honest. I was like, you know, like you said, put yourself in the mindset of, of somebody who's trying to attack this market. You know, they have a great concept. They want to figure out what's next. And, you know, like, like I said earlier, they're, they're really good at doing what they do, but site selection is probably not their thing. So the very basic is, should I buy a second gen restaurant or get into a second gen space? Or should I look at a vanilla box, build out, and try to get some money from the landlord to, to help me build the space out? Like that is, it's probably Googleable. People can talk through it with a broker pretty basically. Um, but it got such like a, it got such a response yeah. from people in the industry. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, so this is it. That's what I should be doing. But CBRE told me, take it down. Really? I have to take it down. Why? What was the reasoning? I got a call from the lawyer. Was that me? <laughs> you know you're doing, if you get a call from the fucking attorney, you know you're doing something right. Yeah, and then I said, talk to you about like uh, a <laughs> trust. Yeah, you're in trouble. So I, 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 uh, they're like, well, we don't, we don't sell restaurants. We only transact on real estate and selling a restaurant is a business transaction. It's not a real estate transaction. I'm like, I'm literally on a contract right now where I have key money deal. Like, yeah, um, you know, like this paperwork. So I just had to, you know, kiss the ring and get it done. But it's, I knew that that's, I knew that that's when, uh, when I was on something, I may have put it back up, but it, it was at the time I was excited that I was getting the feedback. And then like two days later, they told me I had to take it down. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's one of the things that fascinates me the most is, is when you narrow in on that niche and you talk about truth, you know, truth vibrates the fastest. So once you start connecting with who you are and what your truth is, you know, you put up a piece of content about Biggie Smalls and branding, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm a huge hip hop fan, huge rap fan. Like if you listen to the lyrics, it's, and actually it doesn't matter what genre of music it is, but it's always, if it's a band, if it's a rapper, it's them connecting with their truth and telling everyone else to fuck off. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's that Biggie post was it was it came to me because I've always been a, a huge fan of his always. Um, we have a vinyl sticker of him in our in our living room. I, <laughs> that's I, fantastic. About, yeah. <laughs> Wife approved. Wife's idea. Actually. <laughs> even better. Yeah, even he, better. Huge Biggie fan. So, um, you know, it was that he was so when I watched the documentaries that he was so off, like he was not like, I didn't know anything about his style or anything. I knew when I heard it, I liked it. Right. But his style was not in this pattern. And it was only, you know, Puffy who was like, you're onto something and some guy in his neighborhood and he just kept going with it. And I think, you know, that's, it, it resonated with me in, in a lot of ways for restaurant concepts for for real estate site selection and, and for branding for sure. Yeah. It's following your truth and understanding that if it's your truth, the chances are it's probably somebody else's truth. Yeah. You speak to it. It comes out more genuine. It just, whether you do video or writing or a podcast, it will come out more genuine if it's your truth. So take me down your, your digital marketing, digital media journey. So you, you get the Gary V's book, uh, hook, hook, or yeah, it's hook, hook, jab, 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 right hook. Jab, yeah. jab, right hook. 
yeah, yeah. That's that right hook. I got it right over there. Um, <laughs> huge, huge Gary V fan. Uh, yeah. I think I, it was, it was an entrepreneur actually magazine where he was on the cover when I first learned of him. And then I started reading the article about, you know, who he is and what he's doing. And I'm like, this fucking guy is me. Like this guy is respecting the internet the way that no other bit, like all these other businesses in entrepreneur magazine and Inc magazine, like they're all doing incredible work, but they're ignoring social media. I'm like, literally we wouldn't fucking be open as a restaurant if it wasn't for social media, if it wasn't for digital media. Like this guy is doing that. And, you know, he's put out content and, you know, anybody can follow his podcast. You can follow him on Instagram, YouTube, all of that stuff. And it's all incredible, but it gets to, yes, you hear it, but then what do you do about it? So what did you do about it? I did nothing about it for a time. <laughs> I just Thank had, you for your honesty. I did nothing. I just consuming, consuming, consuming for, it had to be, God, like four or five years. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know, at that point I wasn't clear on, like I knew that as a restaurant it was successful. We were posting like Facebook was a thing, and then Facebook pages was a thing, and then Instagram was a thing, and then Snapchat. And I knew that we were getting traction with the restaurant brand, but I never made the connection to me connected to the brand. I just kept posting food from the restaurant. Um, it wasn't until, yeah, I, I don't know. It wasn't until really I left that my first restaurant and was like, I need to now take this experience and leverage it some way. But I was I was fearful, so I just was kept consuming, consuming. Now at this point, there were other people out talking about it. There were other examples of branding and stuff. And then, you know, I just took the leap. I think, you know, and I, I don't remember specifically what it was, but it's um, now it's is it's everything. You know, it's really I spend probably the majority of my day um, marketing and branding. You know, podcasting, doing your podcast, from writing an ebook right now, and it's. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's what it's all about, and that's how you get to know people. That's how you get to know people nowadays, right? So, was it? Were you scared the first time that you did something with your smartphone? With your, you have an iPhone or you're an Android guy? iPhone. iPhone. Oh yeah, that's how you're on Clubhouse. I should know that. That's that's a rookie. rookie. Never fixed that, right? I didn't. No, not yet. Not yet. I don't think they're ready to to open it up to that many users yet, but. Um, Clubhouse is incredible. Follow follow Kyle on Clubhouse. And if you're not following me, please follow me. And if you need an invite, hit us up. We'll find somebody to get you an invite. I know. I was getting pinged for these restaurant ones just before we got on here. But it's, um, yeah, I, I remember for a while of just recording stuff and not putting it anywhere. <laughs> you know, I was just I would have it on my phone. These stupid videos. Who knows? I wish I could find them. <laughs> but I, 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 did, I don't know what they were possibly even about. Um, but you know, the big switch for me, probably this last year has been just documenting really Yeah. documenting over creating, you know, like, uh, Gary Vee has always said, and, you know, to be honest, like the, the, the Ryan Serhan thing has been a big inspiration to me, you know, seeing how he's, you know, the, he's a residential uh, real estate broker, but how he's kind of taken saying, you know, brokers don't need to, agents don't need to work for these brokers anymore. They need to work for themselves and they can brand themselves. They can get their broker's license and do all the legal stuff that they have to do. But once you're the, once you're the one controlling the information, I mean, no one who's going to put you out better than yourself. Correct. Now he's like flying helicopters and he's got, you know, bringing like three dozen puppies to a photo shoot. I mean, it's, he's taken to the next level. And that's, that's something that I really, I really admire. 
Well, I think what, what's exciting for me is when someone like yourself understands that it's no longer just about your market. Yeah. You know, this internet thing is so fucking big that you can start working on analytics. You can start doing site selection for someone like me on the West Coast. When I say, Kyle, these are the things that I'm looking for. What does your data tell you? Yeah, and I'll say you you know based off of just our interactions that I'm not looking for the old real estate deal. Location, location, location's fucking bullshit for me. Yeah. I'm all about search, search, search. Yeah. Distribution, distribution, distribution. Yeah. I mean, that's what's cool about this whole new environment is everything's everything is now shifted to, you know, you you each deal, each client has a different need. It's not not everybody wants to be on, you know, Main and, and First Street. That's not the case anymore. But what's really interesting now is we have the, the digital media, the personal branding stuff, and now the technology is catching up that can really help restaurants in, you know, if you were going to open up a brick and mortar store, right? So let's say you have, uh, this is your flagship location. We could geofence your location. Mm-hmm. And then we can see, you know, with the data, our cell phones have like something like 700 apps that track location. So we can see where the phone sits eight hours at night and eight hours during the day. We can't see names or addresses or anything of that mm-hmm. nature, but like, like a heat map. And it'll see where your customers are coming from. And it'll see, based on that information, where, where the phone is, it'll create a demographic profile. Mm-hmm. Then it'll create even more impressive is a psychographic profile, which is their buying patterns, their habits, things of that nature. We can then take that heat map and overlay it over the market that you suggest. Let's say you want to go to Vegas, where, I mean, Vegas is a bad example, but like Dallas. Sure. We'll go to Vegas. That's fine. Like <laughs> we'll, win, Dallas, we'll go to Vegas. We're fine. My, my wife is cool with Vegas, so that's cool. <laughs> but you, you will see where those pockets of those same people are because we lay that information over that night. You say, okay, we don't want to be on this side of town because that concentration is not there. So it's really taking the guesswork out of site selection. So, yeah, if somebody in Indiana wants, needs help and they want to move to, you know, Cleveland, well, we can help them identify that. You know, we can find these opportunities now and our reach is as, as broad as, as our reaches. So your, your reach is as good as there's Wi-Fi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that That's the incredible thing. And, you know, once you start talking about, I mean, I know that it's bigger than the United States. I mean, all of these apps, all of this voice technology, it's all getting translated, you know, site selection is something that happens in restaurants in every village. Yep. Every village across the globe, you know, and the, and yes, every market is different, but the principles are the same. And when you're talking about the technology and you're talking about the data, you're talking about, you know, where are people searching for a certain type of food that you can find that information if you have Wi-Fi. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it's, you know, everything, everything, everything now is just so tech driven. And if you're not, like you said early on and in, the, in your intro there, like, as a restaurant, if you have not somehow adapted to this in some way, you're doing cooking demos online, you're highlighting your bartenders on for a happy hour on Friday to make cocktail, whatever the hell you're doing, um, you, you should be doing something. You're just dead and you just don't know it. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this, like from the real estate side, landlords are looking at it, you know, because they were quarantined too. These, the, whether you're a mom and pop landlord or you work for a big corporate landlord, you were quarantined too, and you're looking like, wow, I'm going to have some vacant restaurant space. What are some cool brands on this phone while I can't do anything else? 
And if you didn't do anything, based on what's happened the last year, they don't want to get in bed with you. Yep. They don't want that relationship now because you don't get it. So Correct. That's- yeah, and I think that's, you know, the, the, the powerful thing is when you do get it and you do start posting content like that, then all the opportunities start coming to you. Yep. You know, when you do start understanding, I mean, most people don't share their business plan online. Obviously, we're not most people. We share fucking everything. You know, here's the full kimono. But the amount of landlords that contact me, you know, early on when we posted that we're looking for 10 ghost kitchen locations in San Diego County, where should we be looking? You know, I'm not only getting real estate brokers reaching out to me, I'm getting landlords that own shopping malls that own different that are saying, yeah, come look at my space. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, a, it's an inverse relationship. Right. Well, I mean, now it feels good. Now that you have a little bit of, you know, the balance of power has shifted a little bit because now it's like they, you know, landlords and, and restaurants, you know, so realize that you need each other. And, you know, when, when there's that match and what's a better online dating, right? Like that it's easier to connect with somebody if you can see their profile online and what they're up to there. And I, I think that's, that's kind of where we're at. You know, and I think it's uh, it's just um, I think it's great. I think it's great for the tech piece. I think it's great for tenants, restaurant tenants who, who are in the market because the opportunities are are endless and literally endless. What are the advantages of ghost kitchens and what are the disadvantages? I think the ghost kitchen space is going to be won by the ones that market the most effectively. You know, I think it's. You know, unless you're just focused on a smaller region where you can kind of pump it out and you can really hammer that that one county or or um, one neighborhood, whatever your focus is. Um, but I think it's going to be tricky to get if you're not good at marketing, you know, to your your customers or your existing customers and, and to reach new customers. It's going to be tough to crack that, you know, below the fold on your phone. I think that's a big deal. Like on your phone, if when you open up one of these third-party apps, if that's what you use, if your if your restaurant, if your ghost kitchen is below the line here, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to the the tenth rated restaurant. Correct. I want to go to the top one. So, tons of ways I think to market these places and really go ham on it and have fun with it. Um, but I think the misconception is that you can just open up one and it's going to be this. You know, hey, I can just open a ghost kitchen. It's going to be less. Uh, overhead, less rent, and, and for all the reasons that are, are true, but you can't underestimate, I think, the, the fact that you got to market the hell out of this concept to really get it, get traction. I think, you know, that's going to be a challenge. Um, but I do love the idea of a ghost kitchen for exploring new markets. You know? Yeah. So like, if you wanted to come check out, you know, do a pop-up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, that was never... You can that the, the pop up and you know uh, ghost kitchen where you know pop up was around, but it was celebrity chef driven or some other type of hype driven. But now, if you kind of said to a landlord on the Lower East Side who hasn't had a tenant in six months, you could probably do a pop up there, a ghost kitchen, for six months and, and test the market. And if it worked out, maybe it turns into a long term deal. If not, you pack up your shit and go back to San Diego. Yeah, that those kind of things I think are super cool, and I think you know obviously the the cost is less and and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting new facet that I like that's, I think is going to sit on top of the restaurant industry. Um, and I think, you know, you, like you obviously understand is the ability to service, um, your market with multiple 
little concepts and be more agile and mobile within the market is another huge advantage. So, um, but I just, I just think there's this um, feeling that they're easy to execute and it's easy money. And that, I don't think that's the case. It's still a real, real business. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just nothing easy about the food business. That's for fucking damn sure. I'm asking you these questions. Yeah, I mean it's it's. <laughs> I mean, I think they're they're just they're just. Um, you know, um, Corey Manicone from Zool was on my podcast, and they've they've even realized. I mean, they've had a ton of infrastructure. They opened up Manhattan, five concepts in there, but to find some of the space in Manhattan has not been so easy. You know, so they have they they help drive a little bit of the branding and some of the infrastructure for for their concepts. But um, they've had a hard time recruiting new concepts in. So now they're launching something called Zool Market, where they're going into like these old food halls or mall food courts and sort of like dropping their technology in there and allowing the ghost kitchen kind of just happen um, that way. But it's interesting. It's fun to watch for sure. So one of the things that I find fascinating, you know, somebody like yourself, that's you're you're forward thinking, you're on the cutting edge. Um, my my question is, when will the landlords and the other commercial real estate professionals start to catch up to understand the market that we're playing in right now? Like, when are they going to start to understand that I don't want to pay eight dollars per square foot next to the Pacific Ocean? You know, when are they going to start to understand that maybe I should repurpose my 7,000 square foot restaurant into three smaller, smaller restaurants? Like when, when do you think the economic, is it going to be an economics thing? I think it's, I mean, for the landlord, for sure. Um, you know, it's sometimes I do have a little bit of feeling like when everybody's looking one way, what's happening on the other side, whatever we're not paying attention to. So there may be some opportunities for guys who do want that 7,000 square foot spot on the restaurant on the ocean rather. Um, I, I think it's, they just see a lot of these landlords are just, this is what they've known, right? The bigger the box I have, the more rent I get, and this is how it's going to work. If they're sitting on a pile of cash, they could let it sit for years and could care less, right? So it's all kind of independent um, or uh, individual set of circumstances for each one. Sure. Um, I personally would love to see what you're referencing. Smaller spots set up more charming. You know, I think 2,000 square feet, 2,500 square foot is, is a sweet spot for that for a sit-down traditional restaurant for, for me. Um, but I think the landlords are going to be tougher to crack. And like you're saying, talk to one person. I have one client of mine as a landlord in mind. I swear to God, this guy could bring him Shake Shack on a platter. <laughs> find something wrong with it. So I don't know. You know, they're all so, so different. But yeah. whatever your concept is, my advice to you is be completely transparent with the landlord. Say, look, here's, here's what I do. I only need this much space. Can you do it? Yes or no. Uh, and to be honest, be aggressive with the rent ask. I mean, I know guys who are saying, I'm only doing 8% gross deals. I don't want to hear about your per square foot shit. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. 8% gross for the lifetime of the lease. Take it or leave it. I mean, that's, that's a, that's, that's, a, that, that could work, right? Like if that's where it's supposed to be and that's what I'm offering you, then what's the problem? Yeah. Uh, there's going to be some education, I think, for a lot of these guys. Well, I think it's not only education, but it's also, it's positioning. You know, so much of the time it's restaurants begging to get keys, and they're going to take whatever lease it is to just get their dream out there in the open. And there's never been a better time to be in the position 
to have a good existing con if, if you have an existing concept there's never been a better time to explore a different market yeah and you know what great. Well, what's interesting is not what's interesting but what is concerning maybe is the word is a lot of these i don't want to see the industry get flooded with people thinking they can dive right into um a ghost kitchen or, or another yep. space because it's there that now is the time to really understand the math and the finances and say, holy shit, this is not just a deal because the space is available. It's a deal because financially I have the upper hand here on the landlord. Well, not the upper hand necessarily, but I have a distinct advantage. And I can say, look, I have this great concept. This is what it should cost me. This is, you know, you know, you can be firm in that ask. They, they, they have to get that education that, that things are gonna not be the way they were. And if you can, you know, justify through your previous actions or through what you're looking to do, um, the right landlord will agree with you. And if they don't, move on because the guy next door probably will. Yeah, it's, that, that's what. But I think it's going to all boil down to. Yeah, definitely find an open mind. I mean, one of the pieces of content I remember early on that resonated with me as you were talking about it. It's it's uh, it's not a landlord; it's a land partner. For sure. Yeah, man. Tell me more. You know, I think traditionally, you know, even in the beginning of the pandemic, I'm sure you remember, like, it was like, you know, fuck you, I'm not paying you. Because I'm yes. To, well, yeah, you are, because this is what the lease says. Well, those two are never going to, like, you know, it's never going to work. It's like, if you get both sides to understand, like, I got landlords now, like, we're not quoting rents. I want to, like, I want to meet them. I want to know what they're about. I want to talk to them. I want to see what their sales projections are. That makes a lot of sense. And I think historically, restaurant owners are like, the landlord doesn't need to see my books. Uh, they don't need to, but it's in your best interest right now to show them. So if you can get an 8% deal here, right? You think you're going to do $3 million a year, get an 8% deal. Fantastic. Well, you, you, know, you got to do the numbers, right? That's got it, but that's on you. That's running the business, right? So having that clear communication, um, you know, whether you do a gross deal or you do a, a percentage rent deal, uh, triple net deal, but having that conversation of like, look, this is what I think I'm gonna do. This rent seems high. And if it is and the landlord's stuck on it, keep going till you find somebody who, who, who will work with you because you don't wanna be in bed with somebody that's gonna, you know, close your doors a second things turn south here or not allow pandemic language in the lease or something. Yeah. I love that. So, I mean, it gets back to, to clarity and truth and transparency. Yeah. It's amazing how, how easy it is, but how difficult we make it. But the more that we share, the more opportunity there is. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just one of those two old school industries that are <laughs> stuck in the mud. Restaurants and land. Yes. It's tough to see the, uh, the other side, but I, I think we're getting there. So let's uh, let's get a little uh, inside the, the game within the game for, for Kyle and how do you create content and how do you document? How do you show your work? How do you uh, how and how and why do you do what you do and how can you help somebody that is a real estate professional, somebody that is in a different line of work, um, understand what you and I are 
you know, so fortunate that, you know, I, I wake up every day trying to remind myself that I need to learn more, that I need to practice more, need to do what I say um, and continue to create content. But but how can you help somebody that they're listening to this podcast? They go, fuck, dude, I'm like, I want to take my business to the next level. Um, I want to start telling stories online. How do I do it? You know, I, I make a lot of analogies to sports. I grew up my whole life in college playing sports and I, and I, I see a lot of analogies with sports and entrepreneurship and, and as it relates to things like creating content, it's really when you're stuck, whether it be from getting started or like, like me this week, I wish I could show you this chicken scratch over here. Let me see it. Let me see it. If you're watching, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll get the chicken scratch. Oh, I like chicken scratch. Yeah, I, I don't even, because I don't even know. I was like, you know, I'm going to start mapping this out. And yeah. Then, fucking nightmare. <laughs> I don't even know what it says. It started out so good. It started out so good. It was real good. It was a master class. <laughs> you know, I take it back to, to the, like real basics. Like, okay, what what does somebody? So who do I want to talk to? Right. So I want to talk to somebody like you, who's forward thinking and is looking for new opportunities and has an emerging concept, or you know. Uh, so what are they concerned about right now? And I start to create. I start to think about. Okay, what well, what are they concerned about? You know, I read things on the internet, I listen to podcasts, and something will always spark something. But if you're really, really stuck at starting at the beginning, think about telling your story. Storytelling is hugely popular. And think about you know movies, uh, anything that you consume, books, uh, conversation. You know, everyone knows a great storyteller person, right? How did you get started? You know, what's the story of your restaurant? Like, why is it here? Why'd you pick this location? Uh, how'd you hire the bar? Why'd you hire the bartender? What's the secret rest? What's the secret ingredient in that pasta or whatever the case is. Um, if you're a restaurant, there's so much to dive into. You know, people will love you. We're talking about this today on clubhouse. Uh, what is it? The restaurant called uh, death and taxes or, or dead rabbit. One of the cocktail lounges here in the city. Death by tequila. Uh, they started, what's that? Death by Tequila? No, no, I never heard that, but it sounds phenomenal. <laughs> I'm to give it a, I might try that tonight. Um, <laughs> the, the, I mean, they just started putting out all their cocktails, the recipes, they had the bartenders showing how they made the syrups and all the stuff, and everyone's like, but now people are going to make it at home. But that's, you're not getting it, dude. Like, yeah. they want to have it with you. That They want to have the experience with you. Correct. Actually, now that you've showed it, they want it that much more. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think if you're stuck creating content, you know, start at zero, start at just telling your story. You don't, you don't have to be good at creating, like you don't have to, you know, be Walt Disney. You just have to be you. And I think, you know, Seinfeld, there's a show about nothing. The Kardashians, right. everyone watches it. I, I don't, still don't know what that show is about. You know, it's, it's right. just consuming people. You know, I mean, somebody the other day said, film yourself just walking like just walking and talking the first couple of times to get going. And you're going to think like, why the hell would anybody want to watch this? Yeah. You will. They'll, they'll slowly start to pick up. Like, where the hell is this guy going? Where is he now? What's up? It's weird dynamic, but it works. Well, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we, as restaurant owners, we, we forget that, you know, so many people have fantasies about being business owners, about being entrepreneurs, about doing it for themselves. You know, by saying, fuck you to my nine to five, this job that I hate, I want to do something that I love to do. And they would love to open up a restaurant, but yeah. 
they don't know what it's like to open up a restaurant. They don't know what it's like to do the back office work. They don't know what it's like to walk through the kitchens, to close down the line. They don't know what those things are like. Just start filming that. Yeah. Start filming in the shirt. Like, well, who would care? Like, why would my customers care? It's like, it's amazing the content that we put, that we make about unboxing our new point of sale toast technology, literally unboxing our point of sale toast technology, you know, making a spoof video of like the video that my kid watches, like my son watches kids unboxing monster trucks, you know, 50 million subscribers. Like literally they're just like sponsored by Hot Wheels and monster trucks. It's, It's absolutely insane. These kids are making like $22 million a year. But it's like, there's something about unboxing. I don't care what you're unboxing, whatever business you're in, unbox something because it's the love and the care that somebody put into boxing it. Now you are unboxing it and giving that experience to the internet. And you would be surprised at how impactful it can be. And you know, I I like thinking it too about it this way is if you're, you're entrenched in what you do, right? Like you're entrenched in the restaurant business and you're documenting all these things. How fucking cool is it going to be 20 years from now to look back at that and see that stuff, right? Like that is incredible. And like, if you can think of that legacy piece, if you're starting, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if you could see Jeff Bezos first video on what his thoughts were on Amazon, that would be a huge Netflix documentary, right? Like the whole process. I mean, think about that. And it's, um, it's scary to think about, right? Like you're going to have all this, this information about yourself, but at the end of the day, you know, you're building a business and a life. And my content is so intertwined with that, that I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like in 20 years. You know, it's a really, really cool thing. Um, the, the last thing I want to ask you about is there, there's something you talked about on the clubhouse call that I, I, I loved. And we were talking about how do you separate business content from personal content? And you said that, you know, once you went on this journey, you started realizing that it's, it's all my content. It's all, it's, it's my lifestyle and I live a business lifestyle and I'm going to share that, whether it's about my wife, whether it's about my kid, whether it's about no matter what I'm doing, that's who I am. And that's, that's my brand. And I can't live any other way. Right. And it's, you know, the goal of all this stuff is to connect with people, right? So if you're a restaurant or you're a broker or whatever it is, ultimately the idea of this, this whole digital landscape and, and creating this stuff is to lead to, a face-to-face interaction, right? Or some sort of transaction where they're going to connect with you. And if you're different, whether on your, your platform or in person, it doesn't work. I don't think it works. And like, I, I, you know, I get all the time, you know, my, my wife works for SoulCycle. She does a lot of content on her own. So I get a lot of the time. She's like, Oh, you're Leslie's husband. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And so we're now we're so intertwined with each other where we're sort of like, we should just do like a joint account because this is getting crazy, but it's, um, yeah, it is. I've gotten leads off of a picture with my French bulldog guy owned a restaurant. I just closed on it two weeks ago. He saw the picture of me and my French dog, a French bulldog and was like, I figured I'd call you because you have a French bulldog. And so do I, I was like, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. What I, what I, Gary Vaynerchuk has said, and I think this is another key takeaway and then something maybe to, to kind of uh, leave your, your, your audience with is like, it's all subjective. What you think is crappy, somebody else thinks is incredibly good. So don't stress too much. Like just do what you do and, and, and you'll be surprised at what comes back. 
And Kyle, I, uh, I appreciate your time, man. I admire all the work that you're doing. I look forward to continuing to work with you. I'm sure we've got plenty of projects that we're going to work on together uh, in the future. Um, this connection wouldn't happen if it wasn't for digital hospitality and your commitment to the internet and my commitment to the internet. And um, anybody that's listening to this podcast, you're you're part of the rising tide. Um, you know, the, the world is changing. You, we all know that. We all see it. There's people that accept it and they're doing something about it. And then there's other people that are just consuming it and watching it go past them. You know, be a part of the rising tide, get involved. You know, we say every week, stay curious, get involved and ask for help. Um, I know if you reach out to Kyle, he will be more than happy to talk about content creation, digital media, restaurants, commercial real estate, French bulldogs, you name it. He will talk to you about it um, just, just the same as I will. Um, I'm at, um, at Sean P. Walchef on all the uh, social platforms. Kyle, where can people find you? Uh, it's at Kyle and Sarah on everything except um, on TikTok. It's restaurants and real estate. Uh, I don't know why somebody told me that should be labeled that, but that's what it is. Um, <laughs> But yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, I think it's great. I, the one thing I do remember digitally was was me connecting with you. Like, well, we're not connected on TikTok. And yeah. Like, yeah, we are. I'm like, oh shit, cool. Yeah. And then LinkedIn was a similar vibe. So, yeah, that, that's this is great. And I think you know we're two coasts apart. And I feel like I, you know, I know you better than I'm, I know most people live five minutes away from me. So. Yeah, and that's. That's the exciting thing is like having boots on the ground on the East Coast and, you know, in New York and having somebody here on the West Coast, like the amount of information that we can share. And then, you know, we got on a clubhouse with Donald, Donald Burns, who's in Arizona and all over the world, you know, consulting. But I mean, there's people that are there accessible. And if you're willing to put yourself out there, if you're willing to ask questions, you can develop these deep relationships and then, you know, allow us to care about your story, help help you. You know, if you're listening to this podcast. So thank you very much, Kyle. Appreciate you, man. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it, man. You got it, brother.